Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 169. Nice. Um, I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Zanetsky. Hello, sir. Woo! Woo! It, uh, I'm glad that you came a little bit later when the sun started to go away, because it was really awful this morning. Yeah, I was having a Father's Day picnic at, uh, at um, Harriet Island. Oh, so you got out of the way early. Nice. Yeah. So, I still actually, have to go to mine after this. Well, it's because, well, I got that, and then we're doing this, and then immediately after this, I'm driving out to St. Paul to look at a house. Nice. So, I'm like, I got a full Hopefully in my hood. Day. Yeah, it is, actually. It's right nice. off of, uh, right off of 7. And Are you going like, with Peter? Yeah, with Peter. Oh, it's right, it's, yeah. it's right off of, like, 7 in uh, Minnehaha. Or, yeah, Minnehaha. It's, What's that by? Um, you know, like, where the arcade, like, clusterfuck is? Like, where 7 turns into oh, arcade yeah, 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 and all yeah, that yeah. other yes. trash. Yep. Mm-hmm. You go down our block, and then you turn right. Okay. And then you kind of go about halfway to, like, Dariet from your house. Okay, sure. And that's kind of where it is. That's Super close. nice Two house. Miles. Yeah, it's a really nice house. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm Very really nice. excited. Very good. Very good. Anyway, uh, kicking off with a brief little plug before we start with topics, head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. And you will find on that particular webpage two open-ended levels of support for content consumers like you to directly benefit content producers like us. Um, and you actually get uh, a little bit of kickback. So why don't you head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage and figure out what those might be. Yeah, it might even be a cool koozie. It might be. And depending. or apparel, depending on what level you go with. Anyway, yeah. okay, moving on to topics. One second, what kind of beer do you have? Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm actually drinking for the... <laughs> These are almost gone now, and I'm having my first one. So it's a Polliner Original Munich Lager. Delicious. It's a very good beer. I'm drinking a life beater. I, a Stella Artois? Yeah, in England apparently that's what they're called. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, they're known for being a favorite of the uh, lower class. I mean, for us, that's a tank top. Yeah, basically. But for them, it's a Stella Artois beer. Yeah, so okay. it, it, this is, I guess Stella Artois in England is like their Budweiser, <laughs> which is like... Wow, that's difficult to think about. Yeah, but I mean, like that, that's a very high quality of beer because this is like, a, I mean, kind of tastes like a fart, but I mean, it's like whatever. Not as much as a Corona tastes like fart. Yeah, no, this is like much better than most quote unquote domestic American style beers. So. I feel like we buy that just because my niece's name is Stella. We never used to buy Stella. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I and feel it like looks fancy. It's a great bottle. It's got a paper top on it and everything, so yeah. people think that you're partying. Even if oh, you're yeah, not. no, no. This is the uh, this is the Bengal 7 Series of beers. <laughs> it's It looks really fancy if you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. I mean, my brain's in pain now, but yeah, I guess that's not terrible. But um. also, I've been actively trying to find a Sally Carrera stuffed animal for Stella. Oh, that would actually be adorable. I know. I've been they don't make it. <laughs> they make every other character except from cars except for Sally Carrera. There must be an unofficial one somewhere. I've been trying to find it. Like it, it's like the world has forgotten that the 996 911 like exists and they like refuse. Like I'm not even joking. In my process of trying to find it, I found a Nissan Stanza wagon stuffed animal. The Stanza Wagon wow. is a stuffed animal and not the 996. <laughs> That's just shocking to well, me. Well, I mean, I could see it not being a Cars character stuffed animal, but, but like, like, somebody should make a stuffed 996. Yeah, like, I've, they make stuffed Twingos, although yeah. those are adorable. Yeah, those are great. But, mm. like, everybody wants a Twingo. Yeah. But, like, yeah, they don't make a stuffed 996. It's really weird. So, Scott, the day I find you a uh, stuffed 996, I will be buying it for Stella. <laughs> And I'm sure she will appreciate it. She yeah, does she seem to be uh, already headed down, we'll say, the uh, car the, appreciation. The correct, the yeah. correct path. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good. That's a, that's a good decision. 
All right. So anyway, topic one, um, I briefly touched on this with you actually last episode and we rolled it into this one, but we were talking about how uh, auto journalists and manufacturers alike will refer to a product like the Traverse as Traverse yeah, or the Equinox as Equinox or the Ultima as Ultima. It has to have the article. So they just truncate everything if it's a product name, and I'm wondering why does that happen? I don't why know. is it consistent across auto journalists and manufacturers? But seemingly that's it. Yeah, I don't know because I just want you to know I'm breaking that trend. Okay, I've, good. E- even if it gets edited out, <laughs> <laughs> I write the article of, ahead of the car name. I don't say Honda Absolutely. Accord. I say the Honda Accord. No, you don't say a uh, Accord. Sorry, Accord. Well, in, the thing it. is, it's only with new cars, too. Because you never read, like, a classic automobiles, and they say Jaguar XKE. Or, like, like Sterian performed well in this test. Yeah, no, they say the Sterian per- performed surprisingly well. Like, well, I mean, back in the 80s, they'd be like, the 1986 Sterian performed yeah. well in this test. Like, it, it, I feel like it's just, it, it's like a... Was it just it's, for laziness? I don't know. Like, it seems to be, like, correlated... With like the mar- the marketing being counter douche getting okay. hired sure. with the auto manufacturer, so they got mad at the auto writers. Like you're wasting too many well, words. I think that they're the like them taking the article away is trying to give the car more of a personality as opposed okay. to like actually making a car that has personality. But the car isn't named Jeff. Yeah, exactly. It's named Traverse. Yeah, which is an awful name it's for a child. An awful name. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just an awful name. Wow. Also, mm. speaking of traverses, um, I was in traffic the other day. I saw a traverse, okay. a new Blazer, mm-hmm. and what's Equinox. the what, no? What's the GMC version? Terrain? Oh, yeah, terrain. Of, the, of the bigger one. Yeah, the Acadia. Bigger one. Acadia. Yeah. So I saw all three of those together at a stoplight, and I was looking there. I said, first, is there three people with no personality? Absolutely not. But also, if you remove the badges from the brand new Blazer mm-hmm. and You'd remove the badges from the 10-year-old Traverse mm-hmm. and that GMC. You wouldn't be able to tell one from the other. Nope. Why would you ever spend money on that? Because it's you're not... because people buy commodity garbage. But that's the thing is, like, it doesn't make sense even with the commodity mm-hmm. because, like, you don't even have... A, you can't even tell the difference between them. Right. Like, if, if you have a brand-new Blazer, why are you spending... $32,000. I don't know how much a Blazer probably costs. Probably more I, than that. I, I assume it's probably starts at everything. That. Yeah, everything is 30 plus these days. So that's yeah. that's above the Equinox. So I would guess they started like 34, 35. So why would you spend $35,000 on a Blazer and you literally can't tell the difference between that and I was going to say, you could have stopped right there. Like, why would you spend the money on the Blazer? But, like, right. especially, like, why would you do that and then, like, not spend the money? Or and just buy an Equinox, like it just doesn't make sense to me. And like you said, like it's, the old product is identical. Yeah, and it feels the same. Yeah. I've been in all of them, and, and they don't feel different. We talked about a few months ago uh, the vehicles that were kind of ahead of their time on styling. Like what would sell today? Yeah. With like a a, a headlight taillight refresh yeah. only. Well, GMC's proved what will work with them because they've exactly. just done that. They, well, yeah, and, and they give it a different name barely. Yeah, like, like I can't honestly tell. The corporate styling has been around since 2010, and yeah, like what you said. I mean, I, we should add that to our list. Yeah, the GM Lambda. Yeah, and honestly, like it's like a Grand Theft Auto car, where it's like it's so generic. It looks like Some, the yeah, it's, it, for, it, it's it, an it, advertising Photoshop to try yeah. to genericize a vehicle. Yeah, like that's what it looks like. It looks, it looks like it, you could honestly put 
a like pixel for pixel copy of a terrain into GTA five. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't think anybody would actually notice that the literal terrain has been put in that game it's, because you would drive past it and go, okay. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's a crossover. It's a, it, it, this is a midsize crossover. that's supposed to be made in America. Wouldn't even get a cease and desist from general motors. They probably they wouldn't, wouldn't even notice. Know. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, they totally wouldn't notice. <laughs> is that our intellectual property or not? I, I don't, don't know. I, I think we I own know. vanilla, but I don't, I, I'm not positive. I, I don't know. I think this is vanilla bean. Oh, like. <laughs> man. That's way too, uh, like, farm to table. So um, let's talk about something that's a little bit uh, – well, I guess this is kind of genericizing things. Uh, okay. You know, Toyota well, – in Japan, they don't have normal car dealerships. Okay, I'm actually not familiar with what they have. Oh, so. really? You're not – so mm-hmm. in Japan, um, instead of, like, going to, like, say, like a Toyota dealership, mm-hmm. you would have the Corolla store. And okay. then you would have, like, the Toyota Sports Store and then, like, the Lexus dealership. They'd, and this is very common between all Japanese auto manufacturers. Um, at least it was in the 90s, where you would have, like, the Nets Store, Toyota, uh, Toyota Pet, uh, Toyota Store, and then Corolla Store. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's how the, that's a, they would have their dealership networks. The Corolla Store no, or just Corolla, Corolla Store? store. Corolla oh, store. no. So they're, but, they're part of the problem. Kind of. But I mean, they they still call it the Corolla. Well, actually, in Japan, Japanese, they don't have articles. Period. So you don't run. So into maybe this issue. all of the auto writers are Japanese. Maybe yeah, I just confused Japanese people <laughs> <laughs> having their pull having us, pull this help. But so um, Toyota actually they were the last bastion of that. Okay. Because Acura or no, sorry Honda used to have like Verno and Primo and stuff like that for their stores. Nissan had Nissan and. Prince and like yep. Skyline stores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the last one left was Toyota. And this is why like in Japan, they have like the Cressida, which is the Mark II, and they have the Chaser, which is almost identical to the Cressida, but it has pillarless windows. Ah. And then they'd have the Cresta, which is like the same thing, but with like a solitary bar taillight. They'd be very similar because they'd have different versions of the Cressida for each store. And I was going to say, and they all had different storefronts dealers yeah. and they were all it was actually like they were all really unique um but toyota finally canned that this year um and now they're actually just going to having a solid toyota store for everything but um japanese nostalgia car actually has a really cool history on like the entire history of toyota dealership chains in japan and mm-hmm. like kind of how it made sense because like the corolla store and the toyota pet st- or in the publica store previous to the corolla store that was like your um, entry level sort of car. Okay. And then you'd have your, um, let's see here, I think it was the, uh, it was a green one. Sorry, they had the Toyota store, which was not the normal Toyota store you'd imagine, but the Toyota Sports store that had their sportier cars. Good. That's so that, the one I would go to. That would be your uh, Aristo or your GS300 versus your. LS 400 where they're okay. almost the same thing. Like they're really interchangeable with each other, mm-hmm. but the GS 300 is a little bit technically more sporty. It had like Giorgetto designed body. Like that would be it had separate fog lights. Yeah. That'd be at the Toyota. Very sporty. That'd be at the Toyota sports store. Okay. Um, and of course, like, so you'd imagine the Toyota sports store. What color is Toyota? Uh, it's white it's or no, white, sorry, white and red. desert sand mica. Well, no, I mean, like, their, their logos are white and red, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Except in Japan, the Toyota store is dark red only. Cool. Which is like, because they already had the Corolla store it is really weird. Damn but it, anyway, Toyota. 
So you can tell that it was actually it was super. It was really inconvenient for people that weren't car enthusiasts. And with Japan buying a third as many cars as they did when they started doing these, uh, it just didn't make sense anymore. So yeah, now they're just going to a single corporate store like in America, which is good because that's to save them a lot of money and to make it easier for them to make cars. The issue, though, what I'm worried about is I'm afraid Toyota doesn't go the way of the traverse and stuff like that where just switching to corolla and not only that but i mean like just going so generic you can't tell like what the, what the vehicles are well i mean historically had you even said that to me two years ago i'd have been like of course they are but yeah. now with all the the gr influence even in well i don't know well because that's the thing is what we got in america yeah that would be considered um corolla store now which is your normal car okay uh, at this oh, point, so it's not just one mark, but it's like the boring shit. Uh, yeah, that, that's so what, that's Rav4, what we. So Corolla, Camry. That's that's kind of what you'd find at, at the Corolla store. But like oh. the cool things, so like the Scions and stuff. Yeah, those were like a, com- a combination of Toyota Nets and like the Corolla, Toyota Sport and stuff like that, like some of the weird stuff. And we had separate dealers for those for a bit, right? For a little launched. bit, yeah, for a little bit. Then but they realized how much they were hemorrhaging money. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it isn't apparently working in Japan either, which is kind of a bummer. I mean. <sighs> It makes sense. I just what I love about Japan and Japanese cars is how this is the most sensible place on earth, and they do things that are so nonsensical, and it works out. Like, and they had. I was gonna say that I'm sure they had data from the rest of the world at that time too. Oh, we got a badass on a two-cylinder motorcycle that misfires on purpose. Yeehaw. Um, but anyway, yeah, they, they had data from the rest of the world that did things differently, and arguably, you're freaking kidding me. I hate V-Twins, by the way. Yeah, they're pretty awful. If you guys didn't know that already, I hate V-Twins. Yeah, I can't think of any that are good. Well, Uh, well, there are a couple that are uh, even fire. I guess Moto Guzzi? Uh, Moto Guzzi kind of sucks. Yeah, even Moto Guzzi, it's like, and most of the time those were V4s. Well, then also they put them uh, horizontal, or a lot... Like a, a transverse plus, tran- plus, transfers to the bot to the trans- no what yeah yeah you're right that is longitudinal yeah most of the, uh, Harley's are transverse um, yeah anyway so Toyota's uh, after six years of having actually a really cool dealership chain that allowed them to make very unique body styles of vehicles it's I'm afraid that they might just start making instead of cool stuff like the CHR which is like a relatively cooler version of a front-wheel drive base model RAV4, you're only going to get the RAV4. And right. And you're going to get less. Are we going to like get like a GR showroom then? I don't know. Well, That'd they're, they're not cool. going to do that. Like oh. They're not going to make a separate showroom for that, but they're going to like make GR versions of cars, like a trim level. But I mean, like Century. Yeah. GR Century. Just That'd be very cool if they actually made that for more than one person. <laughs> I know. Damn it. That thing looked so cool at the racetrack. But I mean, like it may, in Japan... In 1990, they sold 7.78 million cars in that country alone. In, okay. nine, in 1990, this year, or last year, they sold 5.23. Oh, so they're down. Yeah, that's why. They're... But I mean, the population density there and just the, the car regulations and the lack of space. Yeah. I kind of get it. It, it. Yeah, I think that they should. It's just, it, yeah, it kind of sucks that this didn't work. Like, I really wish well, it did. And I, I feel think like it did work. Well, I mean, the like, world changed the, around yeah, it. the world changed around. That's a good way to put it. And I, just, I, I'm, I'm lamenting that because there's just a lot of cool stuff that we received because of that, like the Lexus GS, and mm-hmm. all the cars we love by Toyota. I was think that's a good idea. I mean, imagine if we had like back in okay. So when Scion first started here, we had a Scion dealer, we had yeah. a Toyota dealer. Like, what if they had taken all the boring trash lease product and put it into the Toyota dealership, and they made all the interesting stuff? 
I guess like Sim- at the time, like the MR2 Spider, yeah. the TC, the Supra, and the well, they didn't have a Supra then, but but you yeah, get the idea. theoretically, yeah. But you put all that in like the Scion store. Yeah, that would that would be make way more sense. And just call it Toyota still, but it would be like the Toyota Sports, the Sports, the Sports. And that's store. exactly what the Toyota Sports store in Japan was. Is you put all that's your cool a great shit in one dealership. Yeah, and that's how that's how I liked this. And then like for like if you wanted a K car, like mm-hmm. you go to Toyota Nets, and that's just K cars. Okay. And so like they have like special dealerships, and also in Japan when you buy a car. You don't go to the dealership. The dealership comes to you. Oh, so it's like, uh, what's that, Carvana thing? Kind of, yeah. So Actually, Carvana's really close because what you do is you talk to the salesperson, mm-hmm. and the salesperson will come by and bring you a selection of cars that would fit what you're looking for. That's cool. And then just come to your house, and then you get to drive around your neighborhood and your like your typical driving style. Mm-hmm. So people, when they would buy a car, they buy a car that they're much happier with. That's why in Japan you'd find people that like if they really loved a car and they could afford to keep it going, like they're going to keep their base model Nissan Skyline. Because they, it's perfect for exactly what they do. They it's, yeah, they, they don't have like a <laughs> set test drive route where you have some guy breathing your ear about financing. You had your yeah, exactly. You, your your test drive is your route to work, which right. is I think that's a much better way to do it. So yeah, it's just one of those things where they're always keeping that, which is good. Sure. Um, but yeah, it'd, it'd be really nice if they uh, if some of that stuff actually came to America and we get cooler stuff, but. It's, uh, maybe it's looking someday, f- but Karen's really kind of have it out for us. On ma- the cool ma- stuff. Maybe with like EVs, I think yeah. Toyota, Toyota could make like a separate like EV branch. And it, cause and that might do okay. I don't know. Toyota, I mean, they've got plug-in hybrids, but I don't think they have a full EV here No, yet. They, not yet. But I think like if they started making a range of EVs, yeah. that way you could get people to be like, I want an EV. I don't want to look at this. Even like, if it wasn't make-specific. Like, what yeah. if you just had a dealership that sold That'd actually be really EVs cool. Only. That'd, be, that'd be really cool. Well, they used to do that with imports and stuff, because yeah. I, I had that uh, weird Prince Skyline last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, article on that's live, by the way. But... um. I had that weird Prince Skyline last week, and the uh, that was sold in America not through a Nissan chain, mm-hmm. but through a import quote unquote vehicle chain, where you would go and be able to buy like. I feel like that's a lot more like gray market. Yeah, well, that was before you had a gray market. That's right. That's when you could import a right-hand drive car with no safety regulations and be fine. <laughs> but I think Damn like, you, twenty-five year rule. I think doing something like that with EVs would be a cool idea. I think so too, because I mean, people that. Are buying those like by and large? Scotch just bought a Nero EV, which yeah. is kind of cool. Very but cool. like he was cross shopping a bunch of other make vehicles that were similar specifications. So I'm sure if there was one brick and mortar around, a also if we were allowed to buy EVs in this state at a dealer in this state that are sold in this country, it would be great. So yeah, all the, like the, a Mercedes B series. Well, B class yeah, is B-class, only available yeah. in California. No, it's in California. Really? You can yeah. actually buy them here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's cool. Um, but yeah, even the 500D was Annoyingly, California. And, one second. Uh, Annoyingly, Ontario, California, which Ontario, CA, just. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably some botched paperwork that allowed that to happen. <laughs> like, well, well, they're already here. So yeah. what, are you, what are you gonna do? I, well, I guess we'll crash test a few of them then, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the 500E, the the Nero, the Kona, a lot of that stuff was just, like, even if it's sold here at dealers, and they're allowed to do it. It's just, you can't find it. They don't. Because, yeah. yeah, but, I mean, this was the thing. Like, you have to go 1,700 miles away to, and, you know, sight unseen and buy a car you've never driven, essentially. Yeah, because like, you've heard it was good. What if there was one brick-and-mortar dealer in the Twin Cities that did nothing but, you know, plug-in hybrids and EVs? Like, we have got, um, oh, shoot, what's the name of that, um... That scooter store off of Cedar. Scooterville. Scooterville. Yeah. 
Like, if you get something like Scooterville, where mm-hmm. they just sell a bunch of really good scooters, you can have everything from something made in China yeah. to, like, the best Vespa you've ever had. Exactly. Like, yeah, they, they sell everything. They've all they sell is all the manufacturers. just scooters. I think that yeah, having yep. that for EVs is totally a lucrative dealership style. I think so, but, too, but I, I'm, I'm guessing you would encounter quite a bit of pushback from the a manufacturer. Ton. A ton. Well, it wouldn't be the manufacturer. It would be the other dealerships, because they, really? they make money from being able to get you into something that's, you know, I think one of those now would be the cars. time to do that though, because the dealers don't give a shit about EVs right now. I, th- I, I agree. I think that so if somebody, like if somebody had the happen. overhead to do that, mm-hmm. I think now would be a great time to do that. Well, there's plenty of vacant lots in South Minneapolis on which to build a dealer. Yeah, that's true. And, and poor Scooterville had its windows broken. Well, they only had the, the br- yeah, but the, uh, the pawn shop next door got burnt down. <laughs> I used to go to that pawn shop when I lived at, uh, Augsburg. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's gone now, apparently. Yeah, wow. exactly. Well, so. apparently, you can't hate on scooters, man. Scooters yeah, that's are why. Awesome. That's probably why I got saved. Is that some dude walked in the Molotov and saw these cute little faces. Like I can't. No, I one guy can't. broke the window, and the rest of the mobsters like beat whoa, him up. Whoa, dude, simmer down. That's the scooter scooters. store. That's the pawn shop. Yeah, take the pawn shop. Idiot. Yeah. So it's a good thing that Scooterville was saved. I agree. Yeah, it, it would have been terrible if like somebody just like shot cannonball through the window or something. I'm really glad I brought up my next article early because I had a bunch of like splash screens and ad block things I had to push through that didn't show up <laughs> immediately. So anyway, now that that is done, I, mean, I want to talk. Yeah, get, grab another beer. Um, I, I want to talk about the cannonball record falling yet again. 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 Oh my God. <laughs> and we're down to 25 hours 55 minutes. <laughs> but the reason why I bring this up. We haven't brought it up on a couple of the record attempts or the successful record breaks, I guess. But this one, the guy did it in a rental Mustang. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, he did it in just over a day in a rental Mustang. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't <laughs> click on that because I wasn't sure if it was like BS or if it was real. I read the whole thing. I okay. never read articles. <laughs> I read the entire goddamn thing. It's amazing. <laughs> this guy is just me. Um, but basically what it amounts to, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a preface. This guy has done the sea to shining sea before, but he's had a little bit different goal. It wasn't for the outright fastest time. It was mm-hmm. for the nonstop. So no fuel stops. So he had a, how did he do that in a Mustang? Oh, he didn't. This was earlier. This was two oh, years okay. ago. So he had a, uh, like an O3 crown Vic that had a 69 Ford galaxy body on it coated in floor epoxy. Okay. And he had 187 gallons of supplemental fuel on board. How did he coat it in fluorophyte? I don't know. It didn't. It did not clarify. But <laughs> it, that, nevertheless, it happened. Um, okay. And he did it nonstop. He went New York to LA without stopping. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And he did it in 32 hours and something minutes. So a full seven hours longer than this. But traveling at a more reasonable speed, you'll able you're able to pull down much better fuel economy. So he's yeah. probably doing you know 17, 18 miles to the gallon versus the 12 the Mustang was pulling down. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. This is a Mustang GT, mm-hmm. an SN 650, the, one of the new IRS ones. Yeah. Automatic, whatever, but just a silver Hertz special. It's clearly an Avis car, even though they blacked out all the stuff in the article. Um, the only thing he did was remove the rear seat, the passenger seat, and then buy a bunch of marketplace fuel cells and plumb them in with a cigarette lighter-powered fuel pump. I love that. <laughs> he said the tanks in the trunk were gravity feed into the factory tank. Uh, he made a couple of very small holes in the car that were completely covered by the carpet that the rental agency would never notice. And the one in the front had this auxiliary fuel pump. He did have to make one fuel stop in the middle of the country, but he had a uh, pickup truck with a 150-gallon fuel pump in it, essentially waiting to meet him at a quick off, quick on. Yeah. So pulled out any sort of variables. Um, but this guy is just like, I wanted 
to try and just go flat out as fa as far as I could doing yeah. one of these records. And he's like, the car is limited or by one means or another to 159 miles per hour. And he, he didn't have fancy timing equipment, but he had a few things. And he was running Glimpse the whole time, which is a uh, a social networking essentially for driving. Okay. So you can you can follow along what people are doing, and there are several screenshots in here of Fred Ashmore doing 159 or 153 <laughs> miles per hour <laughs> through just the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Um, but it, there's there's photos in this article. I recommend Road and Track is the one that posted this, but it's actually a pretty good read. And the photos of the interior with the fuel cells is nuts. It's just these, they look like gigantic boat tanks, but they have like copper hard lines. <laughs> That's exactly what they look like. And like they're, they're strapped in with seat belts or ratchet straps I, or something. Imagine like a modern moonshining setup. And it's kind of what I would imagine it looks like. Yeah. But they're all like flat black and yeah. really like they're pretty low profile. So I, I don't think you would raise much suspicion. But, yeah, it's funny. And I was thinking about this, like, okay, so you took the seats out, so you have to drive it back once you're done now to put the seats back in it to return it. Otherwise, you could just, like, throw the fuel cells away and just return it to an Avis in New York and fly what, home. I imagine that, that truck that had the 150-gallon cell. That was only in the middle of the country, though. They didn't follow him the whole time. I wonder, maybe he mailed them to himself. Maybe. That makes Honestly, sense. Honestly, freight shipping them probably would have been much more enjoyable, but he... He did say that he stripped all the stuff out, left it, and then drove the car back without the fuel cells in it to California, which is a little weird. Like, I would, I would also, I would in. not go the same route either. Mm, yep, yep, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I will see Oklahoma, and then I'll see Minneapolis. So like, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, rental car companies must not track these things because otherwise, no, like. They would totally There's shut no down. way. <laughs> totally would have shut There's down. no way this would have been allowed to happen, but. Uh, I, there's a photo in the article too of him refueling with the pickup truck, um, but this guy is—that's pretty. This funny. is my dude, man. This that's, is how I would do it. That's pretty like, awesome. I want to break my own car. I need something brand new. Yeah, I want to break somebody else's like, shit. Are you sure this is unlimited mileage? So <laughs> it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. All right, so I have a question for you. Okay. The the United States is kind of like this like moment of reckoning where we're you know it, it's okay to be wrong about things you previously believed that's good because which we is are. yeah i mean we, we've been wrong before <laughs> um and i think you know while we're thinking about this it's kind of me thinking automotive speaking mm -hmm. what were some things that you were previously wrong about oh and that you have now found yourself completely on the other side of the table about there's quite a few things i would say um so yeah preconceived notions when something came out or was announced and I'm just like, that's never going to work. And then now it's it's perfect. Uh, there are quite a few, I guess. Stuff that would come off my head right off the top would be drive-by-wire throttle. Yep. When that first came that... out, I'm like, that won't be reliable. It won't be responsive. Give me my physical linkage. And it is way, way better. better than a physical linkage. 100% better. It is instantaneous in its response for all intents and purposes. Like, your body cannot compress your hoof fast enough into this thingy. Yeah. To make any difference. And the flexibility for engine swaps and things like that. I mean, like, night, like oh night and day. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's one uh, third-party EMS solution that we're actually – there aren't many companies that allow you to do drive-by-wire throttle because the liability is so extreme. Yeah. But, like, AEM does with the Infinity, um, which is a great standalone. Yeah. So drive-by-wire is kind of the main one. On that same vein, uh, CAN bus and car Ethernet. 
I figured that was going to be a huge pain. I still pain. have nightmares about that because when things go wrong, they go wrong in a huge way. And they do. Uh, there, there's still a downside to it when there's a problem. Like, oh yeah, my tire pressure monitors and my nav don't work. Like, it turns out there's a little bit of corrosion in your left mirror. Yeah. I'm like, that's really dumb. So that I feel like has improved a little bit, but it still can like wreck. It can total a car if you're not ready for it. And the old systems were like super modular. So if you had a problem, you could narrow it down to that particular system. But it saved like 30 pounds of wire from each car. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it does make changing and that was modules at the, was and at adding the time. options. Right. Yeah. And it, it's made a lot of modification a lot easier. And it is, by and large, insanely reliable. For the most part, yeah. Um, I mean... It's. I, we should say that as long as you aren't coupling this with a biodegradable wiring harness. Yeah, yeah. Definitely don't buy a CAN bus, Volkswagen, or Mercedes from the early 2000s or late 90s. Yeah, or today. Or even, even yeah, just don't buy those. Yeah, like modern Volkswagen <clears throat> still does that. They still have nightmare problems. Oh, my God. I can't believe they didn't learn. Actually, yes, I can believe they didn't learn from that. So they probably know Sorry. full well, but it's like that's not really our problem now, is well, it? Well, we bought 83 billion miles of biodegradable jacket wiring, and we need to make it. I think it's more they're like, hey, Raz, biodegradable garbage jacket wiring. Should we uh, get more? And they're like, well, does it break within warranty? No, but, I mean, it, it breaks like... Two miles outside of warranty, they go. It's fine. It doesn't really sound like a problem now, does it? I, I guess not. But I mean, like, <laughs> it's our customers' problem. They're like, nope, 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 not that. No, so it sounds like you've answered problem. your own question, yeah. didn't you, Gary? Buy more. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, they're reordering it actively. I'm yeah, sure. That that's that's very a very Volkswagen thing. Another one I have to say would be all-wheel drive. Um, not all systems, most of them are crap. But the modern, you can through get the road electric good. systems oh. are like, yeah. That's kind of a no-brainer. You should do that. And, like, the MX Drive and the AMG S all-wheel drive system where you can physically decouple it and not use the front at all. That's pretty cool. In software, that's neat. Because you can drive a rear-wheel drive car the entire year, and if you get stuck once in the winter, just flip it on for a couple seconds, and you're good. Yeah, so and then you just have all that dead weight for the rest of the year. cool. Yeah, I do hate the weight, but they've really done a great job pulling the weight down. I mean, you're at the point now where an all-wheel drive car can only weigh like a hundred pounds more than the real. That's a very good point. Where it's like, not Jesus. like it's not like it was in the '90s, where no. you know, if you had a Subaru Impreza weighed or the '70s, five hundred pounds more than a Civic. When they were putting Spicer V drives in the big body wagons, and there were like four hundred pounds of diffs hanging out the front of that thing. Yeah, yeah. That's... So it's not like that anymore. <laughs> We've got little aluminum case hypoid gear sets, teeny ass drive shafts. I had my boss's X5M up in the air like three weeks ago doing brakes on it. Mm -hmm. It has the same front drive shaft as my mom's 320D wagon. Like, it is tiny. That's like, there's hilarious. no power going through that thing. You're going to destroy it. Um, so, something that I was very, very wrong about, okay. and I will admit, uh, supercars. <laughs> How so? All right, so for the longest time, I never saw the value of a supercar. Like, why anybody would ever want that? Because I'm like, just buy a Civic and throw five thousand dollars worth of mods into it and be faster overnight parts from japan yeah and <laughs> i see now the thing is i don't look at a supercar for its performance okay a supercar is more like buying a nice piece of artwork you get the entire package put together into a, a, a aesthetically pleasing body yes you could draw find a stick figure drawing mm -hmm. and it is technically the same thing as like a this is also a person yeah. Both of these drawings are people. Yeah, it, you could get that, or you could get, like, a, a self-portrait of Van Gogh. I mean, it's the same reason can, why you buy an AMG over a Camaro. Yeah, and I, I, that's one of those things where I didn't see the value of that, sure. where it's, it's the intangible things that you can't really put on paper, where 
if you walk into a room with a Countach, oh, you yeah. have something that is oh yeah objectively bad in every form, but it's put together in such a way that it's very, very beautiful. It's and, badness makes it good. It's like yeah. the Avon time. And I think that the thing is, if you are looking at a, super, a supercar, I wasn't looking at it from a sense of humor. Okay. But those cars are designed to have a sense of humor. Well, I think that's the way to Richard look at Richard Hammond them. said pantomime with yeah. the Zonda, and I think that applies to more than just the Zonda. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's you you buy the car to laugh at it. You don't buy it to go, look how wonderful I am. Well, and then it ends up being good, and that's the problem now. But that's the thing is, <laughs> but you still buy it to laugh at it, though. Yeah. Because it's, it's totally stupid like, to even think about buying one of those cars. Yeah, uh, by and, and large, yes. And that, that's something that I... Nobody had ever described a supercar to me as that until I was at Wheels of Italy once and somebody described it as that. And then I kind of like that honestly changed how I looked at supercars. And it's I've always described it to people. I'm like, well, yeah, if you're buying the car for performance, like, yeah, you're stupid. But if you're buying the car as a sense of humor, like, let me buy this car that, how much power does a Ferrari have? Like 375 horsepower? I let think. me buy this 375 horsepower car. It needs a timing belt every. Three years are like 15,000 miles, according to Ferrari, which is baloney. Wait, which requires the engine to be... Re- compl- not even just the engine. The complete rear cradle on the car needs to be pulled out. See, this is what I mean. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like, that is the funniest thing in the world to me. Because and they didn't need to do that. <laughs> no, they absolutely didn't need to. They could have done it any other way. They could have put hatches and yeah. crap in the interior. Yeah, they could have totally did it any other way. And that's the humor of the car. And like that's why I, I actually love supercars. Because it's not a fact of them actually being good. Because most of the time they're not. But it's it's the hilariousness that you just spent yep. a ridiculous amount of money on a car that's not reliable, doesn't work very well, and is a, a giant pain in the ass to do anything with. And then on top of it, if you ever take it out to a car show and you are under the age of 100, your first count will be, oh, is that your dad's car? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's the humor of the supercar to me, where it is the beauty of capitalism where you, you you finally have enough money to get the ultimate thing and then you get it and it is rubbish. It is objectively rubbish, but you love it because it's such an accomplishment. It's and so it cool. It makes it that much better as an occasionally used vehicle. Too. <laughs> yes. Like that's what I, like, that's what I love about great. it. Like that's, that's the beauty of the supercar versus, you know, the Honda Civic with 500 horsepower. Cause the right. Honda Civic with 500 horsepower, that's so, different. that's so much better. And they're both great in their own way. But the Honda Civic 500 horsepower is that's that's something that is objectively good, but of course you can still make fun of it. So right, but I mean you're not going to be able to take that Civic to Wheels of Italy. No, you're right, and that that's the thing is like that that's where the humor comes in, where it's like the supercar has its own things that come with it. Um, Another thing that I was very very wrong about: dumb American cars. What do you mean? Like you're talking W bodies? No, not W bodies. I still hate those. <laughs> okay, um, good. I was gonna say because those are objectively bad vehicles. I'm talking like malaise garbage. Okay. Fifties so cars. Gigantic underpowered pieces. Yeah. Fifties cars. Okay. The existence of the flathead Ford. Oh, I love that engine. Like that's another thing where if you, what I did when I was a changer is I looked at things through the like the lens of performance value that this vehicle gives me relative to its cost. Mm-hmm. And that was my only way of looking at cars. And I've since grown that's to... fair still, too. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair way to look at it. But there's so much more that the world offers than just that. Because, like, if you have a Malaise car, it's kind of like a supercar, but, like, a lot more affordable. Because it's the same thing, where it's, like, it's really stupid and comical. 
there are some like '70s American cars that I really like, and I kind of get it what you're saying. Yeah. Um, because there are some of those things that are just so objectively horrible. It makes it that good, it's like almost. watching a car crash. Yeah, and yeah it's it, like it, some it's... of them are actual technological achievements too, like the old uh, Toronado. Yeah, actually a really cool car, even though it's terrible. It, it is. They went to great lengths to make something awful. However, the motorhome that was based <laughs> off of that is my favorite damn thing. <laughs> So good. If I could put a Detroit two-stroke in one of those things, <laughs> it'd be perfect. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Another really good one, uh, the Vista Cruiser, which also, like, the Roadmasters of just any era. All garbage. Like, all those things are so funny to me, and I love them. <laughs> and then the reason I discovered the beauty of the dumb American car, yeah. well, first off, it's a flathead, and how much money people are spending to make flatheads make, like, maybe 200 horsepower. Not only that, but like, how much you're spending to buy a trash yeah, yeah, like, I, and it's one of those things where it's like, I, I actually really appreciate that because you you understand, like, how important it was. Like, mm-hmm. when you saw a hot rod, like, oh, how dude. cool that was. Dude, in 1932, you're driving with your little four cylinder that's got maybe then, like 19 horsepower, and, and this, like, blast 45, 50 horsepower V8 blows by you with that noise. Yeah. And granted, it's probably oil starving the whole time because the pan just didn't have any baffling yeah. or anything in 32, but that would have been absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, if you think about it, in the 50s, and I started, like, making hot also, rods out of them. Yeah, thank you. Ah. If you think about it, in the 50s, and I started making hot rods out of them, you really begin to appreciate, like, just how important it was is where it was mm-hmm. like, okay, we take the fenders off. Wow, look how much faster it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I put it on a second carburetor, now it's even faster. Like, I took this the is... supercharger off this bus, and now yeah. it's way faster. Yeah, like, so... Like, you actually really appreciate that and actually the beauty of it. And it looks cool as hell, too. Uh, the but sound, man. Oh. The, this is the thing, though, with the malaise. beauty. With the malaise cars yeah. and the later cars that were, like, really gross and bad. <laughs> um, we should find specific examples, but, yeah, they're all terrible. I'm going to say the 1977 Lincoln Continental Mark V. I'm going to say that's people a are probably seven liter, for this. That's a 7-liter like, with, like, 120 horsepower. The Mustang two. That's a terrible vehicle. It's a horrible vehicle. Uh, I would say, I'm thinking like the really big land yachts that are just like totally worthless today. Mm-hmm. Like they prov- they provide well, nothing for anyone. C3 Corvette. C3 Corvette's a great car. But um, <laughs> specifically. A great example of a terrible car. Yeah. Or uh, uh, the glass house in Palace, like the, the post uh, the post emissions American cars just fell on their face. Yeah. Yes. And the reason I started loving these cars actually, it came from daunt culture. I know, right? It's really weird. Ugh. I it's guess they're so, cheap and they hold giant wheels. And that, that's why they started doing them. <laughs> but um, no, with with Donk culture, it wasn't until I God. like started like researching that that I started to like actually really appreciate these cars. For, I love like, Donk culture, man. For like so what great. what they provide is they provide a canvas. It, it is so bad. It's kind of like a flathead V8 where it's like it's so bad you have nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. And when you have a Donk. A donk is capable of becoming this ridiculous canvas of making the most baroque, baroque, not broke, broke, baroque vehicle you possibly can. With like, it, like that is the modern automotive equivalent of like the three foot wide collar that Shakespeare would wear. Ugh. Like that's what donks remind me of, and I actually really love that a and lot. And the advent of the personal luxury coupe. Yes, exactly. I, th- I think that things like that are just hilarious to me, and. I really appreciate them because of Donk culture and the other, the other cultures that have begun to 
also appreciate those cars. You know, like I started really liking Donks like five, six years ago. Yeah, and that, that's about the same time for me as well. Like I, I was like, when they first started happening, I'm like, that's cool because I was into lowriders at that. Welcome point to East St. Paul. Yeah, <laughs> like, but like I was into lowriders when they first started coming out, and that's the reason why I don't like them because I'm like, dude, just put on some 13 inch wires. That'd be way cooler. And like now, I appreciate them as their own thing. But um, there was something just jaw-dropping about a 30-inch wheel with like a 9-inch dish and an 11-inch brake disc behind it. Yeah, I think that's really, <laughs> really funny. For me, I'm I just thinking that. about the physics of that poor set of brake pads. <laughs> yeah, like it's there's a lot of hilarious things that happen with it. And like with that, I, I honestly like, I don't talk down about donks ever. Like, they are in fact um, like comical, but they're comical in the same way that wearing like a a fluffy shirt is comical for right. like the Renaissance era. Yes, yeah. and I—that's how I appreciate it. But it's, it's, it's the one same of those, way as I appreciate Renaissance artwork. Uni- yeah, it's a unique outlier culture. I mean, that's why lowriders are cool. That's yeah. why just people that they like, like Michael, the guys that have nothing but just weird old tiny yeah. French cars. Like that's cool. Yeah, and it's always going to be cooler to. I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna be controversial, but real car guys, we like the obscure shit more than we like supercars. That's true. No, it, that's absolutely true. And because that's the thing is, the more of a nerd a car person is about cars, mm-hmm. uh, the more they uh, they appreciate weird things. Yeah. And when you have a supercar, that's just kind of like that's your entry level. Like that's your like. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like artwork. I really like, you know, I, I, I like my Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you start going, like, hey, here's a donk, then that's, like, getting, like, really weird. <laughs> just, like, getting into, getting into like, cubism oh, and just, like, yeah. really weird things. Mm. And you're just, like, yeah. And we're dude, talking, like, box-specific donk there. Yeah, but. yeah. You're, you're, like, you're, like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I mean um, Picasso's cool, but, I mean, have you ever seen this other French artist from, like, 1931? He got, like, really drunk on absinthe fell on the stairs and killed himself. He was missing both of but, his like, ears. Yeah, like, <laughs> he did one painting, but it was really rad. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. And I think uh, I, I think that that's a really good way to look at it, is to look at it in the way of artwork. And the further you get into it, the more you appreciate it. And by the time you get to people that appreciate a supercar and a donk, that's yeah. something that's, like, so steeped in the car culture. Well, and there's they, so like, much good stuff out. that just exists and is going on that nobody he's aware of yeah that's true at the time but i mean yeah that's like ex post facto stuff yeah like, donk culture has been huge and appreciated for, by a lot of people for a long time it's been around for over like, 20 years yeah. general like appreciation for donks i think it's pretty new i think it's been probably the last maybe five if that i think it's going to be pretty close to when we started caring about yeah, donks. yeah. well it's when, when i started like getting into them like big time like right like people are like oh look at those 30s on that or look at those 28s on the impala i'm like ha ha Okay. It's better than seeing him on a Hummer. <laughs> yeah, like, that's actually kind of cool. Like, but like, now that I'm actually yeah, like... Yeah, who would like those? Now I'm like, I almost want to build one, but, like, nah. <laughs> not quite. Like, no. it, it's on my, it's on my like, top 20 list of vehicles I want to build. As a donk is on there. It's, like, a really fast donk with, a like, a 6-liter LS would be really cool. The people that put, like, LSAs and LS9s and these, like, just minty 70s cars yeah. with these 30s, and they're running, like, nine-second quarters it's, it's on hilarious. the blades. Yeah, like, like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Like, you would totally be running, like, a seven if you put in a roll cage and, like, oh, actually yeah. made this, like, good. 
But like you're fighting against yourself so much. I just think it's hilarious. And they probably have to run like 538 diffs in these things yeah. just to keep them spinning. Yeah. <laughs> like the world's shortest diff and it's like welded. Like I just love it. I just love how ridiculous it is. The Donics are great. So that's something. Watch it though. They're probably running like a strange fab forward nine inch. Yeah, exactly. With a modular center section. Because these people, they care. They're almost like low, low rider people where they, they dump it's their true. pride no, and really soul is. into these cars. Well, one of my things is like one of the groups I'm on is uh, Bubbles. Uh, this bubble collective page, which is like just about bubble caprices. I used to follow Donk Snob back in high school. But uh, this um, this page, it, you have your people are just getting into it, where they're like, "Hey, where can I get an LT1 from a Corvette?" And there are other people are like, "Hey, this is the plumber van you pulled the uh, six liter out of. Yep. Here's all. Here's where you buy all the parts. And here's where you get your four yeah. eighty at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, yep. this is how you actually make this reliable and yep. quick. And like, this is how you can also, this is how you can raise it up." But also raise the front end up a little bit more in the rear, so you can keep the weight over the rear. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like launching. The, yeah, the, like so. Like things like that are like really cool to me. I love that. So, I think automotive speaking, things I was wrong about um, really pertain to having a closed mind when I first got into vehicles. Sure. So I think I think that's my best way of saying I was wrong is I didn't keep an open enough mind. I thought I was open minded, but once you it's tough, but I mean that kind of comes at the age we were at too. Yeah, you're you're just getting into it, and you know when you're in high school, or you know you only like My Chemical Romance or something. You, it's right. impossible to like My Chemical Romance and the Dave Matthews. God, band. Mazdas are so bad. Hondas are the only way to go. Yeah, exactly. Like, like dude, you're basing that on nothing. Like, there, why does anybody even own a Civic? You can have an Accord. Like, that's obviously the best car. Like, you can have a preference to an Accord over a Civic, but like, you don't need to bash the other one because they're. They're all the same. Right. They're, they're, it's still it, even if one's just a parts car. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all great. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my my thing that I was wrong about. Uh, audience, what were you wrong about? Let us know uh, if you're a patron. Uh, you can let us know on, car, on our Discord that you'll be added to automatically. Automatically. Com- automatically. Mm. You can comment on our Facebook or on our YouTube. So we will, any of the above, we will. Any find of it. the above. Anyway, we should. Uh, did what was this about batteries? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on this. I don't think it'll be a long story, but uh, as you know, uh, car sales are way down. The computer hardware sales are way down. Everything is pretty much way down. Even if it's kind of rebounding after the human malware thing, we're still seeing it everywhere. Um, but one kind of niche for cars that wasn't really down as much was plug-in electric vehicles. So they didn't, I mean, they really only account for about 3 or 4% of actual cars sold right now publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed a little bit more resistant to this um, recession. I'm not even going to call it a recession, but, you know, COVID. Yeah, the, it, it brought the, COVID the economy everything. down. Nobody's buying anything. Nobody's leaving their house. Um, but I found this article on Japlopnik. Sorry, Jalop, Japlopnik. Japlopnik. Japlopnik is us, but we don't own it yet. Um, saying that the even the the booming market for batteries, like there's battery shortages everywhere. That's why you couldn't buy an iPace. That's why like Teslas are behind. That was really the thing they were waiting on. Um, even just energy storage, things like that, uh, power walls, really were having a hard time keeping up with the demand. And granted, the factories keep expanding. They keep adding new ones. Um, but right now, the production is outstripping the demand for lithium ion and lithium iron sulfate batteries. And that's wholly due to this economic change or socioeconomic change and i thought that that was interesting because i mean green energy is the cheapest way to do energy right now and everybody needs it so that has to be one of the most resistant industries to this kind of but if it's paradigm even that's getting hit right so this should tell you like things it's a ripple 
probably at this point, but that should show you just how significant this was or is well, and also, how long we're going to be feeling the you, repercussions. You, you also that. had China get hit, and China, mm-hmm. it's like almost impossible to own an uh, internal combustion car at this point. Right, and they make the heavy gigafactory there, so they're, they're pushing out tons of batteries, and that's not even to count the, the lithium production they do for like cell phones, which yeah. is almost all of it. Uh, I guess uh, Korea does a huge amount because LG Chem is in Korea. Um, but yeah, that was fascinating to actually see that put down because we we were the demand was so far outstripping production that you can keep like, up forever. Yeah, the, well, the the fact that it came down so much that we actually have an abundance or an overproduction of batteries right now is actually that's gonna be kind of a good thing. Crazy, it's uh, gonna be great for pricing and all that stuff for like I, homebrew projects and even cars. I think that's it's going to be good in the long run. I think, honestly, everything's happening in 2020 from everything that Donald Trump has done to yeah. uh, COVID, all of that's going to make the world a better place because it's one of those things where a lot of your preconceived notions that you had about things, mm-hmm. that the police were always okay, that, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that. that, that EVs were, all, were only for the bourgeois, things like that. <laughs> a lot of those things are well, come I mean, undone. Um, yeah, exactly. But a lot of these things are going to come undone because of what's happened in 2020. I think this will be one right. of those years where everything in the world has changed it's be, so much. going to be very different. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, 1929, <laughs> You'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Yeah. It's, I think 1929, 1968, stuff like that. It's just going to be one of those years where just... Nothing was the same after 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that were just the whole world and changed. And we're kind of due for it. Yeah, we are. Because uh, there's Even a to lot a of certain things. extent, 2008. But yeah. 2008, just... I, I was like, it was like 2020 light. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, I can't pay my mortgage and I might lose my job. Versus, hey, nobody can pay their mortgage and everyone lost their job. You know, I, you know there's something to be said about incompetency. Yeah. <laughs> and changing and things. Whole I, I, I think I think having incompetency in the world is uh important for me able to create change because probably right i think it's it's a very good way to put it it certainly anyway. promotes it and increases the speed yes it does it, <laughs> it makes things a lot more apparent all right well hey thank you for listening to uh carbitrage episode 169 nice nice uh and we will catch you for episode 170 which is gonna be uh less nice because it's not 69 nice all right we'll see you guys next week thanks 69 I'm going to briefly stop the stream. We'll start again for the next one. Okay. Do you need water here?